Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. He has no uh, danger to the Scottish police. They have absolutely no interest in, in Johnny Adair. Uh, he's, he, he has a young son who he looks after on his own, and he does does a very good job. Uh, he, he goes to see Rangers and uh, travels to Glasgow. He's got loyalist friends up there. He's still very, very popular. He's still very, very popular in Belfast, uh, even though he was basically exiled but he is uh, still popular in his old stomping ground at the Lower Shankill Road. If he came back tomorrow, he would be welcomed like a, a, a returning hero. I'm Nicola Tallent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. Rock and roll legend Tina Turner never realised the impact her powerful ballad, Simply the Best, was going to have on one of Northern Ireland's most feared terrorists. But when he embraced the song as his own, she had to send her lawyers out in force for mad dog Johnny Adair. Today, I'm talking with journalist Hugh Jordan about the incredible story of the world-famous singer and her greatest fan, whose fanatical group, the Ulster Freedom Fighters, adopted the song in a sick tribute to their hitmen. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Like, firstly, that's a great song, isn't it? You're simply the best. Yeah, I mean, it's synonymous with the Adair's UDA. You know, it really, it really is. He, he uh, Is it? it yeah, every, everyone up here links that song to them, and it was his idea to to steal it for for propaganda purposes. Bloody hell! I didn't realise that now because you know you'd hear it being linked to other sort of you know even sporting events and everything yeah, over yeah. the years. And um, you know, I mean, wasn't it used even in in was it Barack Obama's campaign or some one of the president's campaigns from memory? It was used in, but I definitely wouldn't have linked it to Johnny Mad Dog Adair. Oh, totally. Uh, I mean, I've been at events. Uh, there were always what you called Nicola uh, uh, shows of strength, where uh, the tension would build up 
uh, around bonfires and things like that. I remember being at one 11th night bonfire and uh, the a huge bonfire and it was lit and uh, yeah, then that music started to play and the crowd gathered and then suddenly from nowhere these uh, four men appeared in military fatigues with balaclavas on and guns and came right out in front of the crowd and fired up into the air as simply the best right. was blasted out over the tannoy. Uh, and the crowd went crazy. Absolutely loved it. They emptied all their weapons, uh, waved to the crowd, and disappeared just as quickly. And that was the, that was them all set for a party. So it totally, it was totally politicised up there. The song was it long? Oh, to- was, it, was it long out by, when Johnny Adair decided to? Was it Adair, it? No, no, it wasn't long out. Yeah, uh, it, 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 it was. It was the early '90s. I think the song came out. I mean, I, I looked up the history of the song. It was written by Mike Chapman, but it wasn't written for Tina. Uh, she just took it up and transformed it, made it made it her own. And Adair latched on it. I mean, he he talks about her quite passionately. You know, she was <laughs> queen of soul. He says, you know, but he, when he wasn't too pleased that she threatened to sue him. You know, <laughs> right. So let's get on to that. So they, right. they 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 had started to use this song at various rallies, and it had become synonymous with them with the UFF. Um, what happened? How did how did Tina Turner sort of realize that? Adair Adair used it at every show strength it was this it was the signature tune for something was going to happen that was worth watching and the crowd knew it by this time and as soon as the first few bars of simply the best came on the crowd swelled to get a good good view and from nowhere mm. uh, four gunmen would appear in, in immaculately dressed in military fatigues shoes boots shining uh, the web belts on balaclavas disguising their faces, but all fit-looking young men, and they come out with the high-powered rifles, AK-47 style rifles, and two with handguns, and and and, and fired them up into the air uh, as the crowd went crazy. Mm. And they emptied the weapons, uh, waved uh, to to the crowd, who, who roared their approval. And they disappeared just as quickly, and that was the usually the signal for the celebrations of whatever kind to start. But it was it was always going. The night I remember the first night I saw it, there was a bonfire in the background, them in front. It it made a magnificent uh, picture for the newspaper. And like it would be naive to think that this was just a, a catchy tune that Adair liked. There was actually some marketing thought went into all this. And he did at one point order T-shirts with the slogan on it. Um, he obviously was a man who in another world and take away the violence could have been a businessman, probably a CEO of a, a company. Well, I mean, he said, I said to him, why did you choose it? And he said, well, simply the best. They said, we were simply the best. They said the UFF wasn't the UDA. They said, and we were the SAS of loyalist terrorists. They said, and we were the best. So that's that's why he did it, and uh, and 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 all newspapers waited for that moment. It was a it was a great picture to get, and Adair knew that they loved it, and he he presented it. I mean, I asked him last week about it, and he he told me specifically chose it. He was a Tina Turner fan, 
And as soon as she launched the song, released the song, he said, we're going to take that for ourselves. So it became synonymous with him and with uh, his, his particular section of the UDA stroke UFF. And it was always, every time uh, a, a, a show of strength was launched uh, in different parts of the North, but always on the Lower Shankill Road, uh, it, that's where it had the biggest uh, reaction. So unlike the legitimate world, and I suppose the, the, you know, the corporate world, where to use a slogan or a song like that would have entailed probably boardroom loads of lawyers sitting down, hammering out an agreement and a massive fee being paid over, um, you know, paramilitaries and organised criminals just take, don't they? They don't actually go through any process to use anything. So that's exactly what he did. He no, took there was no himself. copyright discussion. Yeah. There was no copyright discussions. And and of course, it must have been a bit confusing for Tina Turner's lawyers in Los Angeles or New York when they, they start to hear about this. They maybe thought it really was a legitimate army or something, possibly the army of the Irish Republic or something. And they, they, they made their inquiries, and it was a London lawyer. And you think they would know, but they don't know. Mm. A London lawyer contacted John White's office in uh, Belfast. Now, John White was a dear friend who was basically the, the office manager. But, of course, he had served life imprisonment for the, 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 the brutal slaying of uh, SDLP Senator Paddy Wilson, and his friend Irene Andrews, when he stabbed them over 88 times and uh, was, was jailed for that. So by this time, in the early 90s, he's running the, the, the office of the, the UDA office, uh, and uh, he's, he's taken all the political inquiries, and he gets this call from uh, prestigious lawyers in London who are representing uh, Miss... Tina Turner, and they, they, they want to talk to uh, Mr. Johnny Adair. They've been told to ask for him, and um, he's not there, but they explain their situation that uh, Miss uh, Turner's lawyers are, are, are furious that they, they've taken that upon themselves just to take this song, uh, which is being used for, for, for advertising, basically, in Belfast. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, White uh, told the solicitor he would uh, pass it on to Mr. Adair, and, and he did. And uh, Adair, as he said, explained to me last week, he said, uh, imagine trying to sue someone from the Shankill Road. So I, I was just going to say he didn't cease and desist, obviously. Oh, he said that he did not follow their, he no. basically said, uh, get lost. That was his attitude to it. It was the, the last thing he was going to do was comply with the lawyers representing Tina Turner. I think he was a bit disappointed in the whole thing because he was a great fan of Tina. He, he said to me when I was chatting to him, I said, Tina, perhaps I told him that, informed him that Tina had died. He said, oh, uh, Tina, he said, uh, she was the queen of soul. You know? <laughs> so he continued to use it. And did they do anything? Did her lawyers, I mean, what could you do against no, an organization no. like his? Well, well, you see, the, the Tina Turner's solicitors just joined the queue because prior to that, Nike had been on uh, asking them to stop wearing their clothes. Had they? Because, 
Yeah, because he's, he, he, he's a very well-dressed man, uh, Johnny Adair, and he, he liked good quality casual clothes and was never seen in a different T-shirt. Boss or Nike were his favourites, but uh, Nike were uh, a bit annoyed that it was the wrong kind of person uh, to be wearing their stuff, so they they, they contacted Mr White again, but it bit the dust as well. There was no... Uh, he, he refused to stop wearing it. He said he'd wear anything he liked. You do often wonder sometimes, I mean, I do often wonder, would the people, the fine people from Hugo Boss be a little bit, uh, you know, concerned about the use of their clothing by the likes of Daniel Kinahan and so forth and et cetera. What can they do? Um, well, but that's interesting that they they got in contact with them as well. Yes, um, yes. So listen, even more interesting, and we've spoken about it, we've touched on it before, is your peculiar sort of uh, conversations with Adair these days, you having written the book about him, which he wasn't too pleased about, I suppose, your past history where you have uh, a colourful history yourself as a reporter in the North and those you were, you know, befriended and those you didn't. But it's kind of like come full circle, the business-like relationship you have with Adair. And he's now seems to be quite happy to take your calls, to talk to you and to discuss things that happened in the past. He seems very open at talking nowadays. Well, I think enough time has passed, Nicola, uh, for, for Johnny Adair to reflect on things. And I mean, they would do... Some people involved in politics today up here could take a leaf out of his book as as, as far as media matters is concerned. Because he, he he can discuss things with you, whereas others up here are rude to you, refuse to speak to you, and they're all involved in getting well paid by the public purse. But Adair uh, has matured uh, immensely. And uh, I have to point out, there's never a conversation goes past between him and I where he emphasises his support for the Good Friday Agreement. And he said, it's over. There is no room for, for paramilitaries in Northern Ireland. And uh, and you can't take that away from him. So he's looking towards the future. But briefly, before I ask you what life is like for him now, let's go back to what sort of things were happening with his sea, uh, the Shankill Sea Coy, isn't it? Um, yeah. Around the time that they were using that song, what sort of atrocities were they suspected of and responsible for? Oh, well, they were out several times a day doing, they could not, there was no plan uh, to, the, the police could not get a handle on it. Uh, the, there was no uh, pattern or plan. Uh, that one, the, he had one volunteer working for him, a guy called uh, Gary Whitty McMaster. I mean, he did several attacks on Sinn Féin premises on one day and went out the next day and did the same. So the, all, all of this type of thing was happening. Uh, and they were uh, also in, in Adair stable was the guy known as Stevie Top Gun McCaig, um, re- reputed to have uh, killed well over a dozen people, maybe over two dozen. And uh, they were they were all well paid. There was a huge income coming into the UDA stroke UFF at that time. The, 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 what seems today is a much softer. Uh, attitude to drugs, the the e tabs were were rife, and they were early uh, 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 purveyors of e tabs. 
and it had a huge income. I mean, I looked into some of the, the money that McCaig was earning. I mean, he was earning thousands of pounds a week was his wages. Uh, so he would have been a willing gunman to, to, to keep up his, his, his income. There's something kind of cult-like when you look back on those pictures of people wearing these T-shirts with simply the best on them and, you know, that whole sort of sense of occasion whenever Adair came out at the time. And, you know, um, would you see him as being personality-wise now? You know him more nowadays, I suppose maybe he's softened, but would he have been somebody who in a different life could have been that kind of cult-like leader of of people? He, he he had a skill. He, without doubt, he had a leadership skill. Um, I, I remember the, the, the night uh, when the Shankle feud happened uh, and the two men were shot dead and it went on for weeks. And it, then that, the net result was Adair's faction had to leave, uh, leave Northern Ireland and, and move to Scotland. And of course, when he was eventually released from jail, uh, the police took him immediately for his own safety uh, to, to Scotland. And from there, he went down to England for a while and came back to Scotland. He lives in the west coast of Scotland. But he had an ability to enthuse people. It was described to me uh, as being similar to a basketball coach. There was uh, an attack on, on a pub known as a, a, in the centre of the Shankle Road, uh, frequented by UVF men, and it was the it was the subject of a of a machine gun attack. I can say it today because he's dead. The the machine gunner was Sam Skelly McCrory. But prior to the attack starting, uh, this was all filmed from nearby Devis Tower by the British Army, and they could see a dare in the middle of a circle of young men giving instructions, telling them what to do. And then he jumped back. Of course, he has nothing to do with it, but he's enthused all them. And seconds later, you could hear the, the, the rat-a-tat-tat of the machine gun fire as the bullets hit the Rex bar in the middle of the Shankle Road. And uh, so he had, he had planned that in great detail, and he instructed each man uh, what their job was. He had an insatiable appetite for violence as a young man. And, uh, you know, has that gone? Has he left that behind? Do you know, what is his current life like? He has no uh, danger to the Scottish police. They have absolutely no interest in in Johnny Adair. Uh, He he has a young son. He looks after on his own and he does does a very good job. he goes to see Rangers and uh, travels to Glasgow. He's got loyalist friends up there. He's still very, very popular. He's still very, very popular in Belfast, uh, even though he was basically exiled. But he is uh, still popular in his old stomping ground at the Lower Shankle Road. If he came back tomorrow, he would be welcomed like a, a, a returning hero. What age is he now? Oh, so he's 59, 59, 59. 60 on his next, next birthday, okay. of, towards the end of the year. So he lives a quiet life? He lives a quiet life. He, he trains every morning. Uh, he goes out for a run uh, up, up a hill, down a hill, and then he, 
he he pounds the the punch bag and uh, he's he's that's his life. Mm. And yeah. is is perfectly happy to take a phone call from you whenever you you phone you ring or you know you've you've yeah. you've built up a little bit of a you're certainly in dialogue the two of you nowadays. Yes, yes. and he and he he does have a he does have a finger on the pulse as far as what's happening in Belfast. His his contacts he would know more about Belfast than a lot of people living in Belfast because he's well informed. And is he still a Tina Turner fan? I, as far as I know, yes, Tina Turner. And of course, you got to remember, Mr. Dare was a was a, a musician and performer himself. As he played in the band, he was the bass player in the band called Offensive Weapon. <laughs> they were a punk band, perfectly named. And uh, and the lead singer is the now deceased Sam Skelly McCrory. So I mean, they they. That's what he felt. He felt he was a bit annoyed at, at uh, Tina Turner because he felt that being fellow performers, it was a bit of a bond or should have been a bond between them. But he was disappointed when... I she... think you could probably say he was just misunderstood, was he? <laughs> I, think he I think he was, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, I have I have absolutely no doubt we're going to come back to Johnny Adair uh, on another occasion and uh, talk about him some more but I suppose for the moment we leave it at uh, you know our our sympathies to Tina Turner's family and her tragic passing at 83 and obviously um, our sympathies to Mr Adair for the the, the the horrific way that she came looking for her rights for her yes, song that's back that's <laughs> right. ok Hugh Jordan thank you very much right Nick love you've been listening to Crime World a podcast from sundayworld.com produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.